0: Um, yeah, so that's about it uh tonight we're gonna start a new Bible study so last week we just kind of did a uh you know a first of the year one off little bible study and and do you guys remember what we talked about last week? I give you three challenges for twenty eighteen who remembers all three of them or who remembers one of them? one of the three anybody go to church more was not one of them, but implied so very good. <laughs> Anybody? Oh, man. W- I'm taking- Gabby, go stand in the corner. Okay. <laughs> so we did three challenges. Dart. Yeah. Okay, so the one challenge that I said was bring somebody with you, right? And we talked about what that means is not just bring someone to church necessarily, but actually seek out... Trying to find somebody to invest in, right? And that pick a lost person and a saved person, right? Somebody at church and somebody who doesn't know Jesus that you can invest in and try to build a bridge to share Christ with them. Good, good job, Dart. Anybody else remember one of the other two? What does Sarah say? Yeah, follow Christ seriously. Are you gonna take your faith seriously this year? And if you are, then the second one, the middle one, Take your next step. Good job, whoever said that. Take your next step. And we talked about um, our, our, our mission here at Ignite, which is love, learn, and lead. Where are you at on, on that little path there? Are you in the love stage? Are you just new in your in your relationship with Christ and getting plugged in? Are you in learn? Are, are you Uh, coming to 9 a.m. and to Wednesday night to learn more about the Bible? Do you need to get plugged into burn and start discipleship uh, with a counselor so that they can teach you not only more about the Bible, but how to walk with God on a daily basis? Maybe that's where you're at. Or maybe you've done all that and you just need to get plugged in and finally step up and lead. You don't have to be a senior to lead. And if you are a senior, you should lead. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But you don't have to be a senior to lead. Uh, You can just decide I'm going to start coming to Ignite, not to get what I can get out of it, but so that I can influence others, and so that I can serve other people like, like Christ did, and how He served others when He came to this earth. So, so that, that was some of the challenges I gave you for this coming year. I hope you think about those and take them seriously, and, and really seek to not only grow in your relationship with Christ this year, but to take it seriously. You know, in 2018, it's I mean, I, I thought it was hard to be a Christian when I was in high school, and that was 10 years ago. And I mean, ev- it seems like every year, like the world just makes it even more outlandish and, and, you know, not politically correct to be a Christian. Like everything you could possibly do as a Christian is just frowned upon it by society, and it gets worse every year. So what you have to determine at a, y- at a young age is are you actually all in, or are you just gonna be the person who taxed church on on Sunday? Because what Jesus wants, and we saw that in Luke 9, 23, when he said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Jesus isn't looking for Twitter followers, right? He's looking for people who are all out, sold in, all in, sold out, other way around, to being followers of him. And that means denying ourselves and taking up our cross and and sacrificing of ourselves and serving others and living for him. So I challenge you to do that this year. Tonight, we are starting our very first Bible study of the year, and this one's actually not going to be a little four-week series. We're gonna we're gonna take this one out for a little while. We're gonna study the book of Joshua, okay? And before we actually dig into it, tonight's just going to be an introduction. But I, I, we need to set some things up so that you understand uh, what the book of Joshua. Is where Israel is at in history when we get into the book of Joshua, so that you can understand what's going on in it. Okay, there's 24 chapters in the book of Joshua. We're not going to go verse by verse through every single one, but we are going to probably make it through about at least half the book. Um, if you look down there, in uh, there's an outline on your study sheet. There, it's basically just a, a three category organizing of the book of Joshua. The first five chapters are them getting ready to cross the Jordan River. And then in chapter five, they cross the Jordan and they go into the promised land. Chapters six through 12 are them fighting battles and conquering enemies, fighting Jericho, fighting giants, all that good stuff. And then chapters 13 through 24 are claiming rewards. We're gonna focus most of the study on the first half of the book because the second half is really good and we'll probably do a week or two wrap up for the series. Uh, But the second half of the book, 13 through 24 is basically God giving the coordinates for each tribe and what land grant they're going to get. So, you know, I, I think I'd go to hell for saying the Bible's boring. But if we're picking the more interesting chapters, the first 12 are definitely a little more interesting. So those are the ones we're going to focus on uh, the most, okay? Um, so where is Israel when we get to uh Joshua. Well, if you took our fall 9 a.m. class that we called Israel's Example, uh, you have a pretty good idea. So I'm going to do a little bit of a review for you. If you didn't take that class, these are some important things for you to know to understand how the Old Testament fits together and where Joshua is at. In that, and you can always go online to the church's website if you want and listen to those messages. You'll learn a lot because uh, we basically walked through almost the entire book of Exodus in that nine a.m. class. And during that nine a.m. class, we saw Israel was in bondage to Egypt for four hundred years. God uses Moat, Moses, Moa Moses Moa—that's Moa, Moses and Noah put together, I guess. God uses Moses to bring them out of Egypt to deliver them and then they cross the Red Sea and they go into the wilderness where they're going to wander for a while. God provides them with manna from heaven. He provides them with water. They wander in the wilderness. They murmur a lot. They get judged a lot. You guys remember all that? We see the tabernacle, which is a big traveling tent where God is going to dwell before they build the temple when they get into the promised land. If you don't know about any of that stuff, man, I encourage you to read Exodus um, or go and listen to those messages. You'll learn a lot. But basically, Genesis is the book of beginnings. Exodus is all that stuff that we just looked at there. Leviticus is the law. Deuteronomy is the law. The book of Numbers is... Chronicles more of the wanderings Of Israel in the wilderness So it goes hand in hand with Exodus And that's the first five books of the Bible Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy You got beginnings You got Israel coming out of Egypt You've got the law You've got wandering in the wilderness You've got the law again And that's the first five books of the Bible Anybody know what the first five books of the Bible Is called the the Hebrew name for it Anybody know that? The Torah, good job You don't really need to know that It's just trivia quiz Question, but, but the first five books are referred to as the Torah So that's where you're at Joshua is the sixth book of the Bible So it's the very next book after the Torah It's the very next book After Israel has wandered in the wilderness And received the law And they come up to the edge of the promised land They're coming to the Jordan River Which is the border for the promised land And then the book of Joshua hits The book of Joshua is all about Israel coming into the promised land And fighting enemies and gaining victory by following the Lord and possessing the land. So Joshua, and the little tagline I gave to this study, is it's all about going where God leads. That's where it is. I mean, you could call it anything you want about fighting battles and fighting giants and and doing all these awesome things. The essence of the book of Joshua is faith and going where God leads. And we can learn a lot for our lives today today. From that. And the main reason we can do that is because of the pictures that God puts in His book. If you were in the 9 a.m. class last uh, quarter, this is going to be a little bit of review for you. But the first point that we're going to look at is pictures in the Old Testament. This is a good review for you, so don't tune tune out if you were in this 9 a.m. class. If you weren't, these are some things you need to understand to make the book of Joshua come alive to you, and really to make the whole Old Testament come alive for you. Because if the Old Testament seems boring to you, and I know it can be sometimes, the reason that it is is because you don't realize how many pictures God has for you in the Old Testament. There's lots of pictures for us today in the Old Testament that we can learn lessons from, and that's why it's there. But we don't just find these pictures by guessing or looking at things and saying, well, I bet this picture's this, right? If and I know a lot of this is going to sound like review if you were in the 9 a.m. class, but that's good. Jog your memory a little bit. We know what pictures are in the Bible because the Bible defines them for us. So the entire class at 9 a.m. last quarter was set up by this passage in 1 Corinthians 10. I just want to read a few of the verses to you so you can see and understand how the pictures are set up in the Old Testament. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 1. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. So he's writing to churches like us today. And this is what he has to say. He has, moreover, brethren, "'I would not that ye should be ignorant.'" Ignorant doesn't mean stupid. It means unlearned. It means not knowing. So he says, don't miss this. I don't want you to be ignorant or, or unlearned about this. "'How that all our fathers were under the cloud, "'and all passed through the sea, "'and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, "'and did all eat the same spiritual meat, "'and did all drink the same spiritual drink, "'for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, "'and that rock was Christ.'" But with many of them, you, have you figured out he's talking about Israel yet? God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Verse 6. Now these things were our, there it is, examples. Why? To the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. That's why all these things happened to them, not just for their learning, but for our learning. Skip down to verse 11. It says, now all these things happened unto them for our in They're They're an example for us today. And they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So all of these things happened to Israel. They historically happened, absolutely, but they are written as an example for us today and we can glean some amazing things from the nation of Israel. And that's what we studied in that 9 a.m. class. So I want to remind you or show you for the first time just a couple pictures that will help you in the study of Joshua. These are just going to set up our study of the book of Joshua. And the first one, and probably the most important one for the Old Testament, is that the nation of Israel is a picture of the New Testament believer. The nation of Israel as a whole is a picture of you today. Now, not the individual Jew, okay? The, The individual Jew or Hebrew in the Old Testament isn't a picture of you. It's the nation as a whole. And where that nation went and what they did is a picture of you and me today. And the reason why is not because I said so, but because the Bible says so. The nation of Israel is God's son. In the Old Testament, there isn't one single man who is called a son of God. You can get in your Bible app, you can, you can search the, the phrase son of God, and there, you'll find in the Old Testament, not one single human is referred to as a son of God because sin happened, right? Spoiler alert. But the nation of Israel as a whole is called God's son. Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1 says, When Israel as a nation was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. God refers to the nation of Israel as a whole as his son. And of course, we know that today, because of Jesus, New Testament believers are sons of God. John 1:12, But as many as received him, Jesus, To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That's why it's so powerful that we can become sons and daughters of God today because no man in the Old Testament was called a son of God because of sin. But Jesus comes on the scene and he pays for our sins and because of his blood and his payment for sin, you and I can be called sons of God. That's amazing. And because of that, we see a picture between us individually And the nation of Israel as a whole. See that? Galatians 3.26 says that for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. We're not children of God just because we're all humans. I know a lot of people will throw that term around. Well, we're all children of God. No, you're not. You're children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. If you've been born again, then you're a son of God. Okay, So when you read in the Old Testament about the nation of Israel wandering in the wilderness and being fed from, from bread from God in heaven and, and murmuring in the wilderness and God punishing them, you can learn valuable lessons for yourself today because God treats the nation of Israel as his son. He, he chastises them, he punishes them, he loves them and brings them to where he wants them to be. And he does the same for us today, the individual believer. So we can learn a lot in the Old Testament from the nation of Israel. Because when we see here in the book of Joshua. With Israel crossing into the promised land. And fighting enemies. And, and claiming victories. And defeat. When they screw up. We can learn a lot from those too. So Joshua is going to be a really good study for us today. Because the nation of Israel pictures the New Testament believer. Just for review. If anyone remembers. What was Egypt a picture of? Remember from the class. Egypt the nation. Is a picture of Sin, right. Egypt was a picture of sin in the world. So, if you weren't in the class, think about this. If Israel is a picture of a New Testament believer, and Egypt is a picture of sin in the world, when God brought Israel up out of Egypt and delivered them, what's that a picture of? It's a picture of salvation. See that? Because God takes his son, who is in bondage to Pharaoh, this wicked ruler who enslaved them, And he delivers them by the blood of a lamb with the Passover lamb. And I don't have time to reteach that whole class right now. But it's an amazing thing when you take the pictures that God defines in Scripture, not us, and you put them and apply them to the Old Testament. You'll learn a lot of stuff for yourself today. Let's keep moving quickly. Canaan. The next one on your list, Canaan, or the promised land. Those are the same things. Canaan is the city's name, or I shouldn't say city, it's the area's name. It's also referred to as the promised land. And that pictures for us today spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7 says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. Jesus is, well, God is talking to Moses out of a burning bush, and he's saying, I've seen the affliction of my people in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. But he doesn't just want to bring them out of Egypt. Look, he's gonna bring them out of Egypt and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Under the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. God didn't just deliver Israel from Egypt to say, hey, there you go, you're not in bondage anymore. He had a plan for them. He had a destination, and that destination was called Canaan. It's the land that God promised to Israel. It's called the promised land. That was the promised land that God promised that they would inherit. God delivered them out of Egypt to come to that destination. He didn't deliver them to wander in the wilderness. They only wandered in the wilderness because of their own disobedience. If they would have obeyed and trusted God and not murmured every five seconds, they wouldn't have taken 40 years, right? Took 40 years because of their disobedience. So God has a plan for you today too, just like he did for Israel. Canaan is a picture of spiritual maturity. It's not a picture of heaven. Okay, you'll hear that sometimes. People think that Canaan or the promised land is a picture of heaven because it's the destination, right? Where's your destination? Well, heaven, right? Well, not so much. When Israel enters Canaan, as we're going to see in Joshua, they're self-feeding. Remember, when they're in the wilderness, God is raining manna from heaven every morning. They're being fed bread from God. All they have to do is go out and pick it up. They're being spoon-fed But when they get into the promised land, they're self-feeding. The manna stops in Joshua 5 after they cross the Jordan. They're also still fighting. They they have to still battle enemies. They still have to take down Jerichos and fight giants and, and battle the enemies in the land. And they're also reproducing. Each tribe gets an inheritance and fills the land with sons and daughters. So, like for us today, when you come into and enter into spiritual maturity, I'm not saying when you come to the Jordan... That you're going to be spiritually mature. What we're going to see in the study of Joshua is that when you decide to cross the Jordan, you're beginning this journey of spiritual maturity. So what you're going to do, you're going to at least be able to feed yourself. That's a part of becoming spiritually mature. You don't have to be spoon-fed the Bible by counselors. It's good to hear preaching, but you can read the Bible and take how to study of the Bible at nine a.m. and learn to feed yourself. That's a good thing. Now you're still going to be fighting. Because you still have the flesh and you still live in the world and you still have Satan. In heaven, are we going to be fighting enemies? No. No, we're not going to be fighting enemies in heaven. That's the difference. And, and we're going to be reproducing because a sign of maturity as an adult is you can reproduce, right? And a sign of maturity as a, as a Christian is that you can reproduce sons and daughters of God. What does that mean? Evangelism, sharing your faith, and discipling, right? That's all meant for spiritual maturity, not heaven. So Canaan is a a picture of spiritual maturity. It's where God wants you to get to. It's his goal for you. He didn't deliver you from sin and from the devil's grip so that you could just wander around the world. If God had no destination for you or no purpose for you, he would have raptured you to heaven right when you got saved. He left you with a goal, and that goal is to come to spiritual maturity where you are feeding yourself Where you are able to fight battles with the enemy and and be victorious and not always be defeated, and to disciple others and to evangelize and share your faith and raise sons and daughters of God. That's the destination that God has for you, okay? It's not heaven. God's destination for Israel was Canaan, and for you, it's spiritual ma- maturity. He wants you to grow. 1 John 2, he talks about, uh, we're, not, we're not gonna read it all, but he talks about going from little children to young men to fathers. It's it's a growth. It's It's going from being a little baby in Christ to growing up through the stages of growth. That's what he wants you to do. That's his desire for you. It's okay to be a baby for a while. If you just got saved at summer camp or this year, You're a spiritual baby, that's okay. But you're not supposed to stay a baby forever. You're supposed to grow up, right? Sadly though, growth is a decision that you get to make as a Christian and a lot of people decide to not grow. There's gonna be a lot of people when they get to heaven who never grew up into an adult Christian and they never made it to the promised land. The promised land, Canaan, spiritual maturity, that's a choice that we all get to make. Just like getting saved. Now getting saved is easy, right? Getting saved is just realizing I'm a sinner and Jesus died for me and if I want to not be separated from him by my sin, all I have to do is repent and confess and I'm saved. It's an amazing thing, praise the Lord. But growing and getting to the promised land and crossing the Jordan and fighting the battles, that's not as easy. That takes work, that takes obedience, it takes faith. And sadly, a lot of people Won't ever make it. And we'll even see in the book of Joshua that there are two and a half tribes who get to the Jordan and don't even go in. They decide to stay on the other side. Why would you want to do that? A lot of Christians I have the same question for. Let's keep rolling. Moses and Joshua. We'll do this one really quick. Moses and Joshua, two guys both picture different things. Moses pictures the law, Joshua pictures Jesus. Moses is a picture of the law Because he gave the law God gave him the Ten Commandments He gave him the law He wrote it down He gave it to Israel Acts 13.39 It says By him all that believe are justified From all things Referring to Jesus From which ye could not be justified By the law of Moses Now was the law Moses' law Did he write it? No God gave it to him. It's God's law, but Moses is associated with the law and with the law of the Old Testament, okay? John 1:17 says for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So there's the difference. Jesus and the law are two different things, just like Joshua and Moses were two different people. Moses pictures the law, Joshua Is a picture of Jesus. In Hebrew, the name Joshua means Jehovah saves. But the cool thing, the real kicker, is that did did you guys know that the Old Testament's written in Hebrew, the Jews' language, and the the New Testament's written in Greek, okay? So the the two main languages that the Bible was written in originally, the scriptures, okay? There's also uh, another language in the Old Testament called Aramaic that a little bit was written in, but mostly Hebrew and Greek. And in the Old Testament, the Hebrew name Joshua, the name that translates Joshua in English, You know, it's the same name translated Jesus in Greek in the New Testament. It's the same exact name. It's just two different languages. In Hebrew, it's Joshua, and in Greek, it's pronounced Jesus. It's the same name. Joshua is a literal picture of Jesus. It's pretty cool. Literally, Jesus, Joshua, was going to lead Israel into the promised land because Moses could not. That's a pretty cool thing. And that leads us to the beginning of the book of Joshua. And we're only gonna look at two verses tonight. Just, we're we're gonna conclude here with these two verses and then next week we'll get more into chapter one. This is how I, I, I needed you to understand the pictures so that you can see how we're gonna learn things for our lives today from the book of Joshua. Because what we're gonna see is Moses dies after 40 years of leading these people through the wilderness and now it's time to go into the promised land but Moses is dead and Joshua is the one who's gonna lead them in and those pictures matter Look at Joshua chapter one, verses one and two. It says, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. So number two, I want you to see how to enter the promised land. How to enter the promised land. You know the pictures, we've set it up. Now let's start, okay? This study is going to be how to enter into the promised land and how to possess it. And so the picture for us is spiritual maturity. It's how to get there, it's how to grow in your walk with the Lord and to get to the promised land of being spiritually mature and and how to actually become spiritually mature. It's not something that happens overnight. It takes work, it takes faith it takes obedience it takes walking with God but you need to know something right off the bat Moses my servant is dead is what Jesus says it's what God says in Joshua chapter one Moses my servant is dead Moses a picture of the law is not going to be able to lead Israel into the promised land it has to be Joshua it has to and if you're in here tonight and you're struggling with sin, or you're struggling with a certain sin that's always bugged you, ever since you can remember, you've always had issue with this certain sin, and you want to finally gain victory over it, I'm gonna tell you, Moses isn't gonna help you. What do I mean by that? The works of the law will not help you. The law was all about works and what you did to be right with God. And if you're struggling with sin, and you're looking to gain victory over that and get to the promised land, Moses can't get you there. The law works what you can do on your own power. It won't help you. You need Joshua. You need Jesus to lead you into the promised land. I want you to look at Romans chapter 7. The Apostle Paul, the greatest Christian who ever lived undoubtedly, says in Romans 7, in in a time that I, I can only think would be a very personal and introspective writing, He says this about himself Look look at Romans 7 And you have to read it In character Think about Paul Historically writing this letter To his friends in Rome He says Oh wretched man that I am Exclamation point Oh wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He just got through talking about in Romans 7 how every single thing that he does, in his mind he wants to do what the Lord wants him to do, but the flesh that's on the outside wants him to sin and it wants him to go back to the old ways that he was before Jesus. And he finally concludes by saying, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? And if the chapter ended there, that would be really disheartening. But he gives the answer. And I fear that most of us, teenagers, adults too, that we find ourselves at this crux, at this point, where we realize how terrible of a person our our flesh is. Yes, we're saved, and yes, we want to follow God, but we just get so depressed and so stuck in the mud over the sin that we can't get victory over, and we don't read 25. Because in verse 25, after Paul says, who will deliver me, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I thank God through Jesus Christ. Who's gonna take me into the promised land? It's not Moses. It's not the works. It's nothing I can do because look what he says. With my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. The works I do with my hands, they can't get me there. The the person who will deliver you from the body of this death who will lead you to spiritual maturity into the promised land is jesus joshua is a picture of jesus but the law does still have a function today and it's important function if you don't have a relationship with jesus today you need the law what does that mean <laughs> i have to get saved by the law no But if you don't know Jesus, the law serves a very important function. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 20, Paul says, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. The the law can't save you. It can't justify you. It can't make you just as if you'd never sinned. Because he goes on to say, For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law has a very important role. It reveals sin to the sinner. You see, everyone, before they can get saved, they need to know that they're lost, right? I, typically, when I teach the evangelism class in MTT, I say, you know what, before you can lead someone to the Lord, you, you, you need to lead them to realize that they're lost first. Before you can get them saved, you gotta get them lost. They have to know that they need saving, you know? You, as a, if you're a lifeguard, has anyone ever worked as a job in high school as a lifeguard? Halsey did. Will, have, have you been a lifeguard? I have been told, I have never been a lifeguard, I'm not that great of a swimmer, but I've been told that before you go to save somebody who's drowning, you need to get them to stop kicking and flailing first, right? Because if you try to grab them, they're gonna pull you down, right? I mean, is that not true? Okay, Halsey says it's true. Will just does what he wants. (laughs) Maybe Will's a stronger swimmer than everybody, I don't know. You're a pretty strong swimmer, Will? Yeah, okay. (laughs) But here's the thing, man. If people don't know that they're drowning, how can you save them? And if they don't stop and let someone save them, then you can't rescue them. So listen, the law shows you that you're drowning. It reveals your sin. Okay, so you ask somebody, hey, did you know that you're a sinner? I've, I've done this before with people to try and share the gospel with them. They say, well, I, I'm a pretty good person. Sometimes people think that the way you get to heaven is by being a good person. And you say, oh, you're a pretty good person. Well, that's cool. Um, you know, have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments, God's law? You know, it says don't, uh, it says don't lie, right? It, it says don't bear false witness. Have you ever lied? Oh, well, yeah, of course I've lied. Oh, okay. So you've lied. Well, another law that God says is don't commit adultery. Have you ever done that? Well, of course not. I'm not even married. Oh, that's good. But did you know that in Matthew chapter five, Jesus says that if you even look on a woman with lust in your mind, you've committed adultery. Girls, you don't get out on that one too. He's <laughs> It's the same for you, too. If you look on somebody in lust, you've committed adultery. Oh, really? Yeah. Have you ever murdered somebody? No, I've never murdered somebody. Oh, well, did you know that in Matthew 5, Jesus says that if you hate your brother in your heart, you've murdered him in your heart? Oh, wow. So we've just went from being a pretty good person to being a lying, fornicating murderer really quick. And you know how? The law of God. The law reveals sin. The law Brings The knowledge of sin that's an important role because people need to realize people think that they're good compared to you know Charles Manson Of course you're good compared to Charles Manson, but it doesn't matter how good you are compared to Charles Manson It matters how good you are compared to God and God's law is up here and we're down here We fall vastly short. So the law plays an important role in bringing the knowledge of sin So hopefully, you understand that in here today. And if you're not saved, I hope that you now understand that you are lost and you need saving. But if you understand this, that's all the farther that Moses can bring you. That's all the farther that the law can bring you. He can't bring you in. You need Jesus to save you. That's the point. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Moses the law can only bring you so far It can show you that you need saved But it can't save you That's when you gotta turn to Jesus Romans 10 9 says that If you'll just confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus And believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead Thou shalt be saved Romans 10 13 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Shall be saved So the law reveals the sin And then Jesus leads you in Man that's how it is, and it's the same thing, not just with salvation, but it's the same, th- so, so why do we realize, because most of us in here, if you're saved, that's how you got saved, right, you knew that there was nothing you could do to earn your salvation, you knew you needed Jesus, then why, when it comes to spiritual maturity and growth, and getting over sins, and trying to conquer sins, we try to do it in our own power, You know what I mean? You got an issue with looking at things you shouldn't on your cell phone or you got an issue with lying or back talking your parents or whatever it is, whatever that besetting sin is that you have that only you and the Lord knows and and you just, you get so depressed and hacked off because you can't overcome it because you're trying to overcome it in your flesh. Your, Your flesh couldn't save you. You know that, but now you're trying to overcome sin in the flesh. It doesn't make sense. You need Jesus. You need Joshua to lead you into the promised land. And that's what this study is going to be about. If you're wanting to finally, like we said last week, take your faith seriously and not just be a wishy-washy 21st century Christian, but actually grow in your walk and overcome sin and fight battles and be victorious, then we need what's in the book of Joshua. We need to learn about those pictures and see what the nation of Israel did when they possessed the promised land so that we can learn how to do the same. So, if you aren't saved, man, will you do that tonight? Will you place your faith in Christ, who's the only person, he's the only God who can save you? There's nothing you can do of your own accord. And if you already have, will you stop trying to beat that sin on your own and trust Jesus to lead you into the promised land and to lead you into victory? Because listen, you've got the whole body of Christ around you right now and we wanna help you and and I wanna help you and I want to show you what God's word has to say. But if you're just gonna keep trying to do it on your own, I'm here to tell you, you're gonna live failure after failure after failure. If you'll finally just submit to the Lord and surrender to Jesus, he'll lead you into the promised land. Now it's gonna take work. It's gonna take obedience. It's gonna take faith. It's, It's gonna take time and patience. But if you're willing to let Jesus lead you and to obey him and do what he says, you'll get victory just like the nation of Israel does. You will. It's gonna be a really good study and I hope you come back next week and the following weeks as we break down the next you know, several chapters of Joshua and learn about that. Let's pray. God, I come to you tonight and I thank you so much for giving us your word and teaching us in your word not only what we have to do to be saved, but Lord, what we can do to live for you and to grow and to and to. Uh, fulfill your will for us And to please you as a father God we don't want to get to heaven someday And stand before you And all we have to show is that well I got saved But I didn't live for you God we don't want that We want to get to heaven someday and show you Lord this is all that I did for you With the time that you gave me This is all that I did for you I invested in these people I shared the gospel with these people I, I grew and I, and I reproduced myself And men and women and discipled them and and shared the gospel. That's what we want. And God, if we're gonna do that, we need to be spiritually mature. We need to grow and cross into the promised land and overcome the enemy. So God, I pray that you would teach us through this study of the book of Joshua, Lord, and that we would seek to not only hear it, but also be doers of the word and apply it to our lives and, and actually use it in our lives so that we can grow to be more like you. We love you and we praise you and it's in your holy and precious son, Jesus' name, that we pray, amen.